everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Everybody, one and all, welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today, because today we are going to be creating the fantasy ourselves. Wow. Total improv right now for all of you listeners out there. Yeah, we're going to be continuing a segment once called by Charles himself, more coherent than he expected. (laughs) We, yeah, I mean, it basically involves us randomly generating two nouns to become the part of a title of a outline of a fantasy novel that we'll just improvise right here, right now. We'll also try to be inspired by character tropes and roles for both an a main antagonist and a ma- main protagonist or like a villain and hero for our story and that's pretty much it then it's just us trying to come up with an outline basically the equivalent of a verbal outline of a fantasy novel that includes all of these elements that we randomly generated and we ask the question of can we improvise a fantasy novel or story really <laughs> uh, yeah outline um outline so yeah th- i mean the last one we dropped which was tower of memories i think that one <laughs> went pretty memories, the I tower think. of memories that yeah. one went over pretty well you know <laughs> i i am Proud to see friends creating fantasy, getting a little bit of chatter on social media. And it was one of those things where when we came up with the idea, we were like, this is a great idea. And then we actually sit down to record it and we're like, this could be a potentially like, horrible idea. Very nervous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We literally come to these with no preparation. We had created a while back our fantasy book generator that has TM. book title nouns. TM, thank you. It has book title nouns, character roles, and character tropes. And we use those, as Dylan said, to generate the book title, our protagonist, and our antagonist. So this is totally random we don't know what's going to come up and i don't think we need to delay any longer should we get right into it dylan let's get right into it charles all right ready to so get that generator pumping ready so dylan and i each have the generator going we're going to pick one name each one title one uh, yeah, one, one noun, noun each. for the title yeah, yes. Each. yes correct all right well i'm gonna generate mine beep boop beep I got power, Charles. We've had power before, mm. but I think, you know, the generator has spoken, so it's uh, we can it's up to you if you want to be flexible about the that. The generator has spoken. Um you know, I'm happy to keep it in. Okay. Because this word that I've chosen is one that we have not used yet, and it is the word spring. Ooh. Okay. So what 
springs to mind, if you will, <laughs> immediately. You could say the power of spring, mm-hmm. or which to me has a lot more legs than the other alternative that springs to mind, which is the spring of power. Or like springs power with an apostrophe S. Um, which spring could be a person, like a character's name. It um, could be a character's name. Yeah. The power of spring, spring's power. Um, I mean, we're. <laughs> I guess we can generate some characters and yeah. revisit what title makes the most Let's sense. Let's see what and, kind of characters yes. we're dealing with here before yeah. we get into the the definitive title of this of this new novel. Shall we go ahead and? pick our first character so i will do that because i have the character types here and i have chosen uh well the generator has chosen the word king a king okay a priest is the which i don't know how these are separate (laughs) a priest oh did you pull Charles. the wrong ta- the wrong column? You know, I'm always very prepared. <laughs> well, that can be our antagonist. Our antagonist sure. will be the Thanks, priest Charles. because the generator has spoken. The generator has spoken. And the, the idea of an evil priest is kind of interesting, or at least okay. a priest as an antagonist. You know, I'm ready to do the yes. I'm ready to do their roles in the story. That or yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm ready to do the trope types. Okay. Which great. are yes. I'll generate both of those. We've got a king who's a, our protagonist. Yes. And I will generate beep, boop, beep that this king is the chosen one. Oh, that's an easy, that's that's an easy protag. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And we got to know what our antagonist is going to be like. So beep, boop, beep. Ooh, <laughs> this is a softball too. They're, they're vengeful. <laughs> so we have a t- this is like the tropiest thing ever oh, our protagonist is a is a chosen one king and then our antagonist is a i mean priest makes it strange i um, don't know if this is going to make our priest. jobs easier or harder dylan sometimes yeah. pressure makes diamonds and when we have to figure out how we fit some of these tropes and character types together. It kind of creates the story for us, but these don't lend themselves to a particular kind of story all that strongly. So I think the pressure is going to be on our backs for this one to, to carry this through. I'm getting a little more nervous as these, as these nouns and types roll in. Um, Well, yeah. Cause it's like, how do we tell a story that has no, like, or it, like does something different when we have a setup that's so standard here. I, I wish, unfortunately, the generator giveth and the generator taketh away. Mm. I wish we had a vengeful king protagonist and a chosen one priest antagonist. That would be mm. very interesting, I think. But the, the generator is spoken. Generator is spoken. Yeah. We got to honor what was pulled right. and when it was pulled. So... Our protagonist, the chosen one king, and the antagonist is the vengeful priest. So let's get back to this title now. We need to bring it all home by coming up with a title for this book. So we've got the power of spring. We have spring's power. Power in spring could be an interesting Mm -hmm. one. Um, Those are the best I got. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Well, let's... I'm between the power of spring and spring's power, Charles. And if you have a preference between those two, just it's better to just let's pick it and let's roll with it. Let's, let's stick with the generic book title, The Power of Spring. <laughs> Keep this as generic as possible and let's see what we can do with it. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to find a way to flip this all on its head in the actual telling of the story. Let's let's try to make Joe Abercrombie proud here and do a little Ooh. subverting okay. when we get the chance. So we can try and do this under the influence of Joe Abercrombie. Yes. Like, <laughs> what just, if Joe Abercrombie to, wrote this story? Yeah, to kind of spice it up a little bit. So we have something to try and do <laughs> other than just write a classic fantasy story. Yeah. It's uh, like, yeah, you think about different authors. It's like, if this were in Brandon Sanderson's hands, he'd be able to put some, like, awesome twists on it and these kind of things. And he'd tell an epic story, but he'd be able to, like, play some of this straight. While Abercrombie would probably, like, use these, like, standard setups in a way to really mess with the expectations that we have as, as fantasy readers and in a very purposeful and sometimes grimdark way so mm. let's uh, uh, yeah let's see if we can do a little subverting here because we don't have the outlining ability of a brandon sanderson uh, no. but, uh, not no. that we have the character writing ability or subversion <laughs> ability of a joe abercrombie but no. let's get into it let's Charles. get into it i'm more let's, let's, let's go to this vengeful yeah. let's get to the conflict here because yes. i see vengeful priest and i'm thinking things like crusade uh, i'm thinking things like um exorcisms like what's something interesting but then Here's let's what I think. ask um wwjad what would joe abercrombie do <laughs> here's what i think if joe abercrombie had a chosen one i think the chosen one would be wrong hmm. and what's better charles than a chosen one who I mean, or really, how does a chosen one who is wrong tie in with a vengeful priest? The vengeful priest is vengeful against this chosen one because they know the actual correct interpretation ah. of the like the text or whatever document is making the like the you know, making the person the chosen one. Our king is the chosen one. So they've the king, rather than rising up to the position of, like, I am I was just a farm boy. I'm just a shepherd from the two rivers. <laughs> uh, shout out to real time. Uh, <laughs> like, rather than that being the starting point, the starting point is, like, they've already become the king and they think they're the chosen one. Um, but this vengeful priest, from the perspective of our, like, king like heroic noble protagonist is being so messed up for challenging their authority as the chosen one but like i think the twist at the end of this novel charles or this story that will probably never actually get written by us um <laughs> is that like the chosen one was wrong all along and the priest who seemed so vengeful fighting against it was right that's well said. I think the success to this chosen one king in an Abercrombie-influenced world 
is he has to be convinced that he's right and always acting in the noble way and that he's doing the right thing. But it ultimately needs to either be the wrong thing or a thing that's not important at all in the end. I think that's going to be the delicious irony going on here is he's everything that we expect a traditional shepherd of the two rivers to be, (laughs) right? Where it's like, I had these humble beginnings and I rose with the blessings of power of being the chosen one. Yeah, that's already happened. And now I'm in charge. Yes, and I've done it. And now like peace can rain and i'm going to continue to pursue the prophecy in which i was chosen for and this priest is like does no one see what's happening here am i the only one that's like this is obviously going the wrong way and by trying to with just with the blessing of knowledge i guess we could say he is um knows what's really going on and the king is misguided i guess i would say yes so i think the spring of power Charles, what that means... Is it the spring of power or the power of oh, spring? Oh, did we go... The power of spring. We can change okay, it. Okay, I want to change it. I want to change it. Okay. Because I think that it's the spring of power and it's a, just the season of spring is the season that immediately follows the, like, our king having finally risen to power. Yeah. And After spring is tra- often associated is, with, with, yes. with rebirth and good times and it's getting nice and sunny and everything's good yes. now. So it's like to subvert that also using the weather, the theme of weather, subverting what we think well, of spring thematically. I, yeah. And it's kind of interesting because immediately I was thinking about the fact that George R. R. Martin's final book is supposed to be called uh, – a dream of spring or, or hope of spring or something. It's like a that. dream of, okay. uh, of spring. Um, <laughs> so I believe you. then it, I don't know. There's something here, which is kind of like the idea that because winter's coming is winter has like, already come. War is in ours. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like, okay, well, what if we start where kind of like a game of Thrones is yes. supposedly going to end where it's like, we're hoping for spring. We're dreaming exactly. of spring, but it's here now. This is our supposed victory that we are enjoying yeah and there's a there's a second novel in a brandon sanderson series and there's so many of those that that just (laughs) that'll keep it from being a spoiler when i say there's a second novel that starts with this idea that sanderson had of like no one really tells the story of what happens after you've like after you've toppled an evil empire or whatever, and now you have to actually rule. So I think that we're building on that kind of idea. Right, of and like, Mistborn did that a little bit. Well, um, that's why I said a second book in a Brandon's. Yeah, this but we don't movie. have to spoil anything. But Mistborn is the first one is like that too, where you have the whole premise of the book. Well, the pre- the premise of the book is that the like mistborn the final empire is in part that the chosen one was wrong yes like which i think yeah we're getting at some of those elements for sure and that's not a spoiler that's how how sanderson speaks about the book yeah so So we're pulling on some sanderson influence here as well for sure (laughs) yeah and maybe i did sanderson a little dirty by saying he would have played it straight because you know that's with these tropes because he does he does some subvert expectations too so anyway yes we've got a we've got a setup here charles we've got a chosen one king who has already done all the things to finish like the 
typical adventure that we're used to where they rise to power. Maybe they were even Charles to get even tropier. They were even <laughs> one of these like uh, orphaned farm boy oh, types. Oh, yeah. He was like, a humble who, orphan yes. who's six foot yeah. eight jack, like, <laughs> super handsome. Red hair, red hair. <laughs> red hair, of course. It's really bright blue eyes that everyone can oh, yes. see from far well, away. Well, they're so striking. They're, They're just striking. so striking, those eyes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like all these different women are pining over him and all these other things. He's the most virtuistic, but he's so noble, Dylan, and so humble oh, at yes. the same time. He did not choose this. It was thrust upon him and he answered. Oh, all. yes. Like, Reluctant. He was all of these humble. And he is a fair ruler who wants to yes. give more power to everybody. And he is just so noble in his cause. And like you go all, go you have to go all in it. on the tropes. Right? You have to go yes. as, oh, yeah. shove all the, the tropes in there. Yes, yes. So the then start. we can destroy all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so we can be like you were so wound up and doing the right thing that you didn't realize your cause was wrong the whole yes. time, essentially. Yes. And now you've got into this point where you have a spring of power, a spring <laughs> after the winter yes. in which you get the chance to actually rule and the only thorn in our red-headed six foot eight striking blue-eyed hero's uh, side i guess right like i said thorn <laughs> the thorn in his side is this vengeful priest so what's going we the priest i think we got to know more about what's right. going so on so i with think the priest, the priest is also like a mush mustache twirling like in yeah. the shadows stuck seems to his tower that seems that way no one really likes him that much because they don't understand him that much because he's kind of eccentric uh that's how i see this priest going and if he is going to be vengeful then he does have to honestly be almost kind of uh not necessarily jealous or coveting of the king's position but he does have to admittedly be annoyed by it in some way otherwise he wouldn't be vengeful Right. Yeah, I hear that. So he can't just be also nobly trying to pursue his own cause. He has to also just not like this guy at right. all. <laughs> so I think here's something that's always bugged me sometimes in in fantasy stories. I think that we get these moments where the... It's like our protag, who's this like big hero person that we're all supposed to love, sometimes like goes about basically like killing lots of henchmen and the, or hench people and stuff. Like we get these moments where they're doing some pretty messed up things for this greater good purpose to defeat the Dark Lord. And sometimes we even get this moment, Charles, after they've killed all these hench people, where then the like our chosen one hero then is like no i choose forgiveness with the actual like horrible person behind all of this right and like that just always bugged me a lot um because i'm like what about those hench people <laughs> and i think that what if the priest is vengeful because of one of these moments that the like the chosen one on their path to becoming the king kind of had to kill someone in their family or relate to whatever, like a friend, a lover, whatever that the, like the priest is pissed about it. It's like, no, you're in your own deluded chosen one head about what you want to like accomplish here to become hmm. 
king and you killed someone really close to yeah, me in I a way that was messed up. That, I like that idea. I think that could be a fun reveal a little bit later on in the beginning where you realize like you're bought in that the king yeah. is virtuistic and the chosen yes. one and all the tropes. But then there's some sort of flashback or recollection or discussion that reveals that he did some sort of what you could compare to an atrocity, but maybe on a more personal level where he kills one person that had a personal relationship with the priest or was super innocent or something like that in the pursuit of doing the right thing, right? And that can be an interesting reveal and some insight into the king's character of like, hey, he wasn't as perfect as we thought because he did do some of these pretty horrible things. And I like that. And I think fleshing out what that relationship is between all those people is a super interesting one. Something that I had an idea and I wanted to bounce off of you was we have a vengeful priest, right? Like this king has already won and is at the height of his prosper. Like his PR couldn't be any better at this point. So why would the priest be so determined to and vengeful? And part of me was like, he is a priest. What if he had a bona fide vision from God that basically yeah, told him sure. this world is going down the wrong path? And because you're the only priest or whatever, uh, I, I, because you're the one that can do it. And maybe it's his relationship with the king or the victim of the king or something. It's like, I am blessing you with this vision of the future and only you know how to prevent this horrible future and have actually a any hope of of survival something like that like a divine intervention moment i think would be kind of cool yes and i think that i like this idea that the priest they've had some sort of moment of being could be a prophecy like there actually yes an actual prophecy that <laughs> is like this one's true like the chosen one one is is wrong like just got in our chosen one king's head somehow or that um, he was misunderstood or something or misunderstood. i think it's important sure. that the king needs to be as virtuistic as possible there can't right, be any right, right. shady things to his character it's his, i agree yeah he's that he's in the wrong he's going down the wrong lane but yes. he's doing it as nobly as possible which is what's I, annoying about him it's what makes it so <laughs> difficult <laughs> right well, I yeah, I agree. When I say he's wrong, I, I don't mean he's acting deliberately in a right. way of like misinterpreting it. I think it's like our priest actually has the religious background here mm -hmm. where they can interpret the text in a way that is like more accurate than is the way that whoever guided the the chosen one down their path. What the chosen one was like selected and interpreted by a more typical like uh wizard or like Aes Sedai type uh, for yeah. the Wheel of Time fans out there. So, <laughs> And we need more gender diversity here. Like, I guess I kind of interpreted like King is not gender neutral and uh, like Priest if definitely evokes a sense that it's probably a, a man, though it could be could gender neutral. So I'd love a wizard. I'd love a wizard. What I would be, yeah, we could gender flip the, the Priest for sure. Um, and we could also get a like Aes Sedai type uh, like woman wizard a la Moraine just to like also spice up these like evoking the tropes like this is your Moraine type um, from Wheel of Time make but she has malicious intent that. or selfish intent uh, or something like she that? could she could we could figure that out 
Like she could but be the she true... could just be wrong though, yeah. like misinterpreting. Yeah, that's also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm open to any of that. I just think mm-hmm. it's more like like number one, I'd love more gender diversity in the story, and I'd also love to play on the trope of people's expectations of like. I mean, I'm not done. I'm not done with Wheel of Time, so this isn't a, a spoiler. I don't know. Like, I'm hardly at the. Uh, I'm three books in of a fourteen book series. I don't know where it's all going, but I my expectation is like a lot of people would read a Moraine type character and expect them to be right about who the chosen one is. Right, and here's my and I think I am leaning back more towards having them be like not maliciously intended because another thing for me about these yeah. like subversions and grim dark kind of tendencies is that they're running on the basis that like humanity will always go towards evil or indifference. Mm-hmm. I think it's super interesting to look at here's how being virtuistic or thinking you're being virtuistic is just as bad if not worse and giving everyone right. the intent of that they're doing the right thing and that they're determined to be on their path because it's their noble intention is more interesting than having someone be like, actually, actually I was evil the whole time and selfish. Isn't that subverting? It's like, that's been done. And I think we have a chance to do something different here by keeping everyone committed. I think the twist is they are noble. And, and the reader buys into that yeah, while they're and, reading. And they're the like, twist is that yeah. they were a noble the whole time. They never they were weren't. trying to be. Yes, exactly. They were. It's like it's the difference between intentions and the actual impact that you're having on the world. Like the from a more consequentialist perspective, what they're doing is their behaviors are bad. Uh, the are, um, uh, but there are like chosen one king and the uh, like woman wizard uh, who's they're both trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. but the impact they're having on the world is a negative one and it's only our vengeful priest who is motivated to go against them by their like personal stakes who's actually like and maybe divine intervention and maybe divine intervention uh they could it could be both they've gotten to this point where they like were pouring through all these religious texts and it was from a place of vengefulness yeah but they actually stumbled upon like, oh, wait, like the wizard and yes. the king misinterpreted this thing. Like, I'm very sure of it now. So it yes. started vengeful, and but it ended up them like is, they were right. That the spring is coming. It's the, some horrible thing that's going to happen, which we, you know, we normally associate horrible things with the winter, right? That's like, yes. the, tr- that's like the thematic use of winter a lot of times and yeah. the thematic use of spring is much more hopeful but i can imagine like birds chirping and flowers blooming and people panicking being like no we're too late <laughs> you know oh, it's like no. the sun is shining we're doomed <laughs> like that kind of that's thing. interesting <laughs> because so yeah subverting the thematic use of spring mm, okay okay I'm trying to think how to how to play it then. And, and then like, it's the a crops really interesting can start idea. getting planted and like all these other great things. It's like so many things to like about spring. It's getting warmer, you know, but yeah. it's it's the uh it also because something about by the time spring has sprung, there's some horrible power thing going on that's threatening. And actually the priest or maybe the king or both are like afraid and when they see the signs of spring they get panicked like we're doomed yes 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 so it's kind of this like we flip on its head this winter is coming idea and we could spring is coming spring exactly (laughs) like with the 
kind of the thing that we were trying, like the thing that the world wanted to stop from happening. That would be a better title for this book. Spring is coming. Spring is coming. Yeah. I think that, it, yeah. Well, anyway, the <laughs> we don't have that choice. We don't Charles. have that. The luxury. generator has spoken, generator so it's not. Spoken. So I I agree, but can't do anything about it. No. Nope. Then the other thing is this like the thing that people kept saying when the world was in danger was like, yeah, winter is here, but like spring is coming. Or like, and like, he will bring the spring or something like that, or, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, but bringing the spring is actually kind of bad for us right now. Like who knows? Like, so why is spring bad? That's the question. That is this. And like, what is the spring of power? You know, like I, yeah, it could be like this power, battle dynamic going on in spring um i think it's what i was saying earlier which is like there's a spring during which the person is in power like our or it's the time after their rise to power it's the spring of actually being in power it's like that's what the spring of power is right season of being in power so maybe it's instead of like having spring come and being freaked out about it maybe it's the fact that we are in spring is a sign of something bad because I think we want to start the book at the beginning of well, spring. I don't, right? here, wait, I've I like your idea uh, here, Charles, and I think we can do something good with it. Mm-hmm. I have another idea, and let's see which one we okay, end up let's, wanting. Let's, let's hear it. I I think let's re let's revisit that spring is actually good, um, and that it has come at the start of the book and everyone thinks everything's all hunky-dory because that kind of fits with where our book starts it's like all the tropes have been true so far everything's been great and look now spring came isn't that awesome yeah and maybe charles maybe it's not spring that's the problem maybe it is summer that is the problem (laughs) winter's bad and summer's bad summer's just like ridiculously hot and it scorches everything and that's so it's like Uh, oh no like summer is coming uh, so the spring the thing that, like, everyone's like, oh, it's spring, fantastic, like, everything's gone right, and the thing that they're worried about is going to go, like, well, most <laughs> people are worried about the priest. The <laughs> priest is worried that summer is coming, and summer is uh... worse even than winter was, <laughs> because of how hot and scorching and brutal things get. And it's easier to make summer bad than spring, because spring is such a, like, like, it's nice out. Yeah, and we want to start scorching. with spring, like you said. It just fits yes. so well with what we're trying to do with framing the king as the chosen one and as the nobile guy. And exactly. So I think we have to start at the beginning of spring, peak hopefulness, peak peace and prosperity, all that stuff. And it's this um, uh, summer is coming theme that we can have fun with. And right. we can start to understand what the power like the spring of power is the spring of power is the spring where this king and this priest and maybe this church behind the priest are competing for power to Uh, rule in the summer. Like that can essentially be that. The ideas are going now, Charles. I love (laughs) what you're saying. I, I, okay. So what if this is a world that kind of like doubles and triples down on this seasons are preposterously long a la a song of ice and fire game of thrones type thing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you could have a hundred years of winter or more maybe even more and maybe winter has gone on so long that like before this ever started um that like the idea of getting things from winter to spring hadn't been seen in generations and generations and generations um and it's almost like 
everyone forgot that there was even a season that came after spring. Like, everyone forgot that summer was even something to be feared or that it exists in this world because there's been hundreds of years of winter and people just wanted that to change. And it's not that our chosen one wasn't the person to bring us from winter to spring. In fact, they were the perfect person to do that. They already did that. Unfortunately, Charles, and what our priest has figured out is that the chosen one's also the person, if they aren't stopped, that will bring us from spring to the awful, awful summer. Hmm. So that's why our priest has to stop the chosen one uh, before it's too late and it becomes summer, which is so scorching. It's going to destroy the world or whatever. It's like something like that. Yeah, there's a lot I like about that. I think if we're going to invite the comparison to Game of Thrones, then we've got to really make make a statement. And I like the direction that you're going in that summer is coming and it's horrible compared to the sweet summer child of like you 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 grew up all in a cushy unburdened environment um so we can play off of that i'm just trying to get the sense of how we're how we're gonna get there um well it's like People okay. have to know that here, here. summer's coming after spring. That's the part that's well, got me hooked, um, um, held up is here's, that people have been in winter for so long that they don't know what spring or, or summer is. Well, I think they – I like the idea of kind of the – I like the idea of the burden of responsibility being on the protagonist here for like – Whatever they did that got them from winter to spring was actually good, but too much of a good thing is going too far. And if they keep doing whatever they did to get from winter to spring, that's what's going to bring them to summer. I'm not married to the idea that... And I think what's good about that, Charles, is it makes our protagonist, they were right for a while. Well, let's go back. And now they're wrong if they keep doing the same thing. I agree. So let's go back and revisit the King's backstory as this like, as tropey as humanly possible of a tropey fantasy story. He would have had to defeat an obviously evil person with some kind of power dark lord to save the day evil, right? so you know mustache twirling dark so obviously lord this evil dark lord must have been doing something that kept summer in check so maybe it's not even yeah what if it's not even spring what if they think it's spring but it's just this like horrible like heat storm or whatever that is going that's transitioning them into spring mm. and just won't stop and will keep going into summer and keep going into like desert wasteland mad max style <sighs> I like I liked where you're going. I guess I what I what I am a little attached to, and I can be talked out of it for sure. Because then that's is the... this idea of the protagonist having been right to defeat the evil lord, while then being wrong in continuing to do whatever they were well, doing. I think it's I more guess. important you know that he he thinks he's right. Like, and all the signs are like, "Look, it's spring," but then this guy's like, "This isn't spring. What are you talking about? This is like the unchecked power of this heat wave that's coming," you know, and. And but the king is like, no, it's spring. Like, look, all the flowers are blooming, the birds okay. are chirping, we're planting the crops. And then it's a subversion of that comparison we invited of the Game of Thrones seasons, where it's like it wasn't even a season in the first place. I don't know. I, I think 
I'm not married to it either, but I just think that that gives us an excuse to buy in why the king thinks he's right and committed to defending his well, the position. King, yeah. Because he needs well, to, uh, but the power's I'm wrong. I'm going to yes and you here, Charles. I'm going to yes and you because I can tell you're passionate about this. Uh, and let's roll with your, your thing. So the idea is this, like, we have, there was no spring then. There was only, like, winter, and then after winter comes summer. Uh, summer is a terrible... No, there like, is still he, spring, and maybe the priest is like, I can bring us to spring, but this is not spring. This is heat. Okay. You know, like, we're still in winter, people. Or not even necessarily that uh, going that crazy. Distri- like, that's too complicated, but... I like the idea of summer, man. That's like like that summer is actually just a bad thing in this world because it flips this like Game of Thrones, uh, like winter. Was I don't the like bad that. Like seasons are thing. inevitable, so why does it even matter? You know, I like this idea that the intent is good, but the cause is like the the cause is wrong, right? Like the king thinks I kill the Dark Lord, I get the power to bring in spring, and that happened. But then this priest is like he didn't really bring in spring and the power that he's using is making our world and our climate worse. And he's going to bring us into this Mad Max style wasteland if I don't stop him. But then the King's like, look around you, bro. Like the flowers are blooming. Butterflies are flying around. Birds are chirping. This is spring. And I defeated the dark Lord to prove it. And then he's like, you're wrong. And I will, I like, this is not spring and something like that could be interesting. I'm not married to that, but I think, I don't like seasons being inevitable and the season just being doomsday. I like that there's some sort of power at play that this king is meddling in with this noble cause that he's actually using incorrectly. That's just where I'm coming from. Yeah. Well, I I think it's it's definitely got legs that way. It can be spring. I don't mind that. I kind of like that. But what if it was we thought it was spring and it really wasn't? It was a warning sign of something worse. Yeah, no, I think that works too. So let's let's go with that, and we'll run with the idea that the, the our king, hero, chosen one type has like thinks they defeated the dark lord before the story even starts. Thinks that that will bring on spring, but in fact, the dark lord that they'd already defeated at the start of our book was staving off this like awful heat wave uh like summer if we want to call it that or or not um and was not actually the thing stopping them from getting to spring right and spring actually would be would be a good thing to get to and it's our priest antagonist who knows this stuff right right and then that brings like the book is all about spring now and there's like this contention of spring and uh, i don't know I, i think it's got legs yeah yeah so we, I feel like we have our beginning and we have, this is where we end up a lot of times, right? Like we have our beginning and we have our ending kind of, right? Like our beginning is, look at everything going so great for me, chosen one hero. You'll get some of my backstory told to you in dialogue <laughs> and uh, exposition dumps probably um, because this is all tropes and I did everything right. I defeated the Dark Lord and now spring is here and then... By the end of this, we have to reach a point where our, uh, you know, our wizard character and our king have come to, like, realize, it sounds like, is where we're going, um, that this venge- this initially vengeful priest, but eventually, like, correct and, like, 
logical priest knows yeah, that he, uh, spring That's is... funny, actually, because he could have bad intentions going oh, in yeah. and then end up being the noble cause. So they're two sides of the same coin. The, right, the yes. The it's basically, yeah, it's flipped. Right. So uh, we have... Nobility, wrong cause... Well, and then you have yes. vengefulness, but vengefulness, right cause. Right cause yeah. by, like both are kind of like stumbled on by accident. And it's yeah. kind of, yeah, we can stick to what we were, we were thinking earlier about this. Like the priest was started from this place of I'm pissed at this person. They killed my uh, family member or what have you. Oh, I'm pouring through all these religious texts. Oh, crap. Like I'm actually right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. this is, this is not spring. This is something this is going towards something terrible so i don't know actually maybe we don't have our ending yet and our ending is this kind of like maybe the hero and the uh and the wizard character are able to come around in the so it's kind of this like they're they start in this place of like being super noble in their oh, heads have like a nice hopeful wrong, happy yes, ending hopeful ending not grim dark ah. where it's like so they start we're like we're noble we're trying to do the right things we've always been trying to do the right things and kind of what they have to learn is like they were a little caught up in their own na- like narrative to themselves about being like the wizard yeah, and the chosen yeah. one and what they have to learn to do charles is Put aside the fact that no one likes this priest who's super vengeful. Put aside the fact that they thought they were the chosen one and the like wizard who fit who fixed everything, and just say the real noble thing to do here when push comes to shove is listen to this priest because they're right, and it's there's something about listening to them will be the only way to actually get to spring. I uh, love it. Yeah, I love it. I I'm actually quite interested in in this story and the it it comes to this ending where they do have this sort of understanding i guess they both forgive each other compromise a little bit and are able to do what's needed to be done through the power of listening to each other (laughs) and getting out of their own narratives to enact change in this world i think that's a powerful hopeful message i like that i like it too charles yeah mm. And I think we should. I, I, here's what I want. And that I gets back moment. to spring because spring is hopeful yes. and all that. And then spring yes. comes. Uh, the After real spring. all the sub. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the middle is subversive, but the end is kind of like, no, we'll bring it back. They did actually like in that. the end save You know, the world, I think Grimdark was... is ready to come back around and get a little hopeful again. Well, <laughs> it's like what we're. I won't bore people with too much of this, but it's like what we're talking about in the monstrous uh, Buddy Reed episodes, yeah. which is like. And I think Aber- like Joe Abercrombie, who has the Lord Grimdark uh, Twitter handle and all these labels of being like the most Grimdark person ever, he's said too that he's like he doesn't love that term. And I see how his work has moved beyond labeling it that way in some of his later stuff too. So I think we are at this place you're talking about, Charles, where um, like. It's fine to write grimdark work. I'm like I've been one yeah. of the biggest proponents of grimdark work. <laughs> I feel too. like so yeah. I uh, like uh, and it's also cool to tell stories that are like flirting with these grimdark ideas and then can we can give the priest like all the, the grimdark tropes yes. even like give him every grimdark trope there is and have them come together because so, he's the villain. Ooh. <laughs> What do you think of this, Charles? Be like, I'm a priest, but I'm unsavory, and so, I don't care. <laughs> yes. And because that means, Charles, the person who was right and the person who actually brings us to spring 
was the priest, with the help, of course, of the king and the wizard. So what if it turns out that means that the real chosen one was this, like, cantankerous, grumpy, like, kind of mean-spirited priest, but who is able to kind of put those things aside and pursue spring and like, I, yeah, I like to better. think that there's like that was a real. I like to one. think that there's two chosen ones, the king and Ooh. the priest, because I don't oh. ever want the king to not be okay. what he is, right? So I do want him to be chosen in the end. I think is important to his <gasps> trope, and that's the they're both chosen ones. You know, I think would be kind of interesting. Well, you need both. Yeah, you need so two he, sides of the coin, essentially. Okay, so he Church needs and to state. be able to <laughs> sure. It, it, <laughs> that's an intro i guess yeah the i th- kind of like this idea like was the lesson our protagonist has to learn our protagonist has to come to learn that like it's okay Ooh, charles but they're, then they're not the chosen one they're the chosen two yeah the chosen two <laughs> that's so silly enough to work i think the chosen yes. two <laughs> so, but it's it's just true because they're ca- yes. the point of the chosen one is that there's one of them, and I think that like that's our that's one of our kind of subversions here is like this chosen one trope is so well established. What about the chosen two? And I like that. What the our protagonist has to learn is that like it's okay. They're the protagonist, like the reader at the start of this story is so caught up in this narrative of them as this big shot chosen one hero. Who's just like the figure of this world, the protagonist, the main person. We can think of a few people uh, yes. that like <laughs> fit that mold, right? Charles and yes. uh, in fantasy. Yeah. And we are bought in at the start with the king of these ideas. And what we and the king both have to come to realize by the end of the story is that it's okay for this single chosen one character to share in their glory and be a part of a greater team that is yes. working together. And kind of, it's like a get over yourself narrative is what it's about. Yes. It's like, the king needs to learn, get over yourself, get over this idea of being the chosen one. Stop getting caught up in their own narrative, as you said. Yes, exactly. And caught up in the narrative that we're used to in fantasy. Yes. Which is the chosen one narrative. Yes. So we and the, yeah. And then we and the king have to learn to accept that it's okay that there's not just a chosen one, that there are chosen two, and one of them's not going to look anything like what we expect. I kind of like this idea uh, at the end. There's this dialogue between the king and the priest, right? The climactic end where it was like, I guess you're the king to the priest. You're a chosen one as well. And the priest is like, not chosen one, the chosen dot, 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 two question mark. (laughs) You know, like this idea of like (laughs) the king is so caught up in the narrative of a chosen one. He's like, oh, there's two chosen ones. And it's like, no, it's a chosen two. And then they they kind of shrug. I'm like, I guess so. (laughs) I kind of, I mean, it's a bit. Here's how I would, I love all that. And I just would change it to not being a question. I would go for like, like the, it's like final line material. I think here, Charles is like, yeah. a, it's like, I guess you're a chosen one as well. Uh, <laughs> too, like uh, T-O, T-O-O, but it's like, I guess you're a chosen one as well. 
says the king said the king like another and chosen one like, or something like that uh, yeah something like that mm-hmm. that's the setup's less important than the like finish which i i wouldn't have be a question i would have like last line being like well i guess it was the chosen two <laughs> or something like that yeah. right like just find like that's it and that's like we leave you with that dear reader that <laughs> it was a chosen two something like that because i it's like i feel like shrugging at the end it's like don't take the weight well, off not it. the end it i think they're like realizing that that's kind of a silly idea but it's true or it's like there's it's not two chosen ones it's a chosen two but if you want to yeah. make it the i feel like it's almost too cheeseball to make it the very last line you'd have to really work on making that not cheeseball and i i just think you can't say the chosen two without acknowledging that that's kind of like funny you know okay but, but I see where you're coming you from. You can have it pay off, but it's going to be difficult. Uh, but I think, you know, someone out there has the writing chops to do it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, I see. I hear where you're coming from, Charles. But that we'll figure – well, we won't figure that out probably <laughs> because we don't really intend on writing this. But if – yeah, if someone does, then they'll they'll figure out where to end. I, can, I see where you're coming from. We're ending on that. It could be a little, a little too cheesy. Yeah. So – Okay, so that's why I, guess, I added it as kind of like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're a the sh- chosen two, you know, like yeah. th- that would be actually endearing, funny. Yeah, I like it. You're not right. cheese ball. That's yeah. the only reason why I, I just initially thought make it a question, but it could also be a joke. It could also be like a true thing. And that's something like a grim, dark kind of person would deliver like and the, the tropey king would right. set up. You know, there's like that setup payoff thing where it's like, oh, there's two, the, there's yeah. two, like you're a chosen one as well. It's like, yeah, I guess we're the chosen two. And then that kind of opens the king's mind to be like, uh, oh, maybe why would there just be one person chosen to do all this work? Yeah. You know, like, like that kind of gets his wheels, finally gets him out of that narrative a little, or starts like to it. get him out of that narrative, you know? Right. So, yeah, it could even be a part. Yeah. I think you're that's very astute Charles is like using that more as this like break. It's like rising or maybe not rising action. Like, Oh no, it's earlier in the story than the conclusion because it's like this moment where finally the priest is able to break through the like King's thick skull to be like, get over yourself. Like it's not just one, like People work together to accomplish goals. And maybe the king at the end can be like the chosen many or something. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. It's like speaking to the king's people. Like the king ends still the king and is kind of like, uh, like, or even just the whole group, like including the wizard, Why including stop everyone else. We could have chosen many. Chosen many. Yeah. Yes, but we do get this moment kind of in the middle or like the three quarters of the way through of this kind of like chosen two moment. And you and know what? We the next the trilogy many. we write would be called the chosen many. And it would be uh, just a, a, a team of people doing. It would be the, o- yeah. yeah. It'd be the opposite of the wisdom of crowds. What I imagine yeah. uh, Joe Abercrombie's <laughs> final book in this series, the wisdom in uh, his age of madness trilogy, yeah. the wisdom of crowds. I imagine he'll be a little more critical. <laughs> well, we're subverting we that by saying yes. the chosen many. <laughs> Like that they're, they are wise. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out if we're there, like, do we have a beginning, middle and end right now that we feel comfortable as kind of a loose outline? I think outline? we've got enough of a treatment here that there, that we can bring this home and in, in some sort of outline. Okay. Let's 
let's give it a try. And if there's stuff still left, we'll flesh it out. But let's let's try the our little bounce back and forth summary of it. Sure. Um, so yeah. we've got the Spring of Power, starring our chosen one king and our vengeful priest. The story opens with the king hot off of his victory against the Dark Lord. He's proudly wielding all of his power. Spring has come. Crops are growing. Or it seems. So it would seem because we have this grim, dark, vengeful priest who, while practicing religion, is also on this um, vengeful hunt to like depose the king in some way and he's searching because searching because because the vengeful priest it was a family member to one of these evil dark lord henchmen or hench people that was killed by our chosen one protagonist on their rise to power from their hump the chosen one protagonist who came from these humble farm boy beginnings had to crack a few eggs to make the omelet that was them becoming the king and bringing them to what the king thought was spring and you know one of these eggs that got cracked has a family and part of that family is this priest and the priest is just absolutely pissed at the chosen one it starts from this place of vengefulness of like they can't be the chosen one if they did this awful thing so the priest is looking through all of these religious texts they Mm -hmm. have good access to that and they stumble upon something that gives them even this supernatural like divine intervention realization that spring has not really come in fact Something horrible might be heading their way. Yes, because the power that the king righteously wielded to defeat the Dark One is the same power that's bringing warmth to the land. And it may seem like spring has sprung to everyone looking for answers to this prophecy. They wouldn't question it. But it is actually bringing on a much greater warning that hey this will all be desert wasteland if we don't do anything about controlling this power and that's what brings on this contention between the king and the priest because the king in doing what he thought was right he's gotten caught up in alongside his, wizard mentor alongside a noble old ancient angelic being that is the wizard mentor yes where, like moraine meets gandalf exactly it's you what you wound up doing the right thing but it caused you to doom us all essentially it's like you did the right thing and we're all doomed is essentially like <laughs> where we're coming from with this Oh, I love that. And what we get is this contention between the king and the priest, and it ultimately winds up with this huge realization slash breakthrough between the two of them. Yes, and that realization and breakthrough is that there's not just a chosen one. There is going to need to be multiple people working toward the goal of spring if that is ever going to actually happen and they're going to avoid this cataclysmic heat wave type thing that is heading their way and the priest you know we get these moments where the priest and the king are conflicting maybe we even get like 
some fights or battles, who knows, like all sorts of stuff can happen in the middle. But eventually, yes, we get the priest to have this moment where they break through to the king by saying like, maybe you're not the chosen one. Maybe like where, or we get the king saying like, yeah, you like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So the king is like, oh, are you a chosen one as well? And then the priest says, well, maybe we're the chosen two. And then that's kind of funny. And then it's not towards the end that we get the the chosen men. We eventually get We, we yes. work our way there. So we'll work our way there. We get the moment of, like, our king's head is kind of spinning after that, like, chosen two comment. Because the king has been so caught up on this narrative of himself as this awesome chosen one straight out of the stories straight out of the stories that we as readers are very used to reading that like finally this moment there it's like shattered our king's worldview and eventually it brings our king around to the point where he's willing to the king and the wizard are both like they're both well-meaning is key to this too Mm -hmm. and in this way of being well-meaning noble people they start to realize like hey maybe we were wrong about some of this maybe we need to get over ourselves and maybe we need to join forces with this grimdark style like unlikable vengeful priest character who actually like knows what's going on in the religion which is real in this world yeah uh, and has the like has the right answers of how we're going to get past this awful impending heat wave thing and actually get to spring so they they come together and then we end as the chosen many embracing the true spring. Right. And something about the priest and the, I would think the priest and the king and the wizard all coming together allows them to have the amount of people behind their pursuits that they are able to like over the, overcome this event as the chosen many. Yes. Right. right? Yes. Well so said. I think that's how it, that's how it ends. That's how it ends. And what do you think Dylan of having like a, a prologue where the king defeats the dark lord <laughs> and then it goes oh, into chapter yes. one which is the spring yes. right because then you get to start with something really like action-packed dramatic full-on fantasy tropes you have the Amazing. wizard shooting spells the king's like slinging his swords and in the final moments he wields the power and he kills the dark lord but wielding the power actually kicked off the whole story right yep. because it started quote spring huh huh Right. And what if what if during that prologue, just like a mini part of it before they get to the Dark Lord is them killing the hench person who was the priest's yes. family member. Yeah. Sure. So it's like yeah. it's like dismissed. It's yeah. like you don't even think about because it. It's like, really oh, like yeah. there's a guard at the door and the guard gets wrecked because <laughs> the chosen one doesn't even think twice about wrecking a guard on their way to trying to kill the dark lord but that guard has a freaking family yeah and this sets off the whole story is both killing the dark lord but also giving the priest a reason to be vengeful mm-hmm. and that but it's like a tiny part of the prologue you wouldn't even notice yes of what you're paying attention to in the prologue is the fact that they're fighting yes, the people dark will lord. go back and read that prologue and yes. be like oh it all happened here we just weren't paying right. attention because we we're so caught up in the tropes and the action and the narrative and the narrative yeah because exactly much like the king and we could make it potentially either a trilogy or a book in three parts and i want to call it the spring of powers part one the chosen two is part two and the chosen many is part three (laughs) 
Yes. I would like to tell it as a... I like the parts idea. Yeah, like I'd parts. like to tell it as a standalone novel with three parts, and mm-hmm. those are the titles of the parts. That, this sounds like fun, honestly. The this story. Is, yeah. <laughs> this might be my favorite one that we've come up with. And so honestly, far, at the start, I was like, this is going to be our worst one. <laughs> because I, like, <laughs> I thought that too. I don't know how to do a chosen king and a vengeful priest in a book called The Spring of Power. I just don't know how to do it. But, but somehow, you do. with your collaborative efforts, we were able to get through it and create a wonderful story we did. Well, Charles, it takes a chosen two, <laughs> to, you and me, mm-hmm. to be able to do this together. And it it's takes... not just a chosen one. It takes two lifelong friends. And I would say there's also the chosen many of all you listeners out there. For without you, <laughs> this well series and this show would not exist. So thank you all for sticking through this with us. We hope you enjoyed us creating the Spring of Power. And we hope you tune in next time as we talk about some other fantasy-related topic. <laughs> that I mean, I don't even know what to say after that. That was amazing. Like that you were like the chosen many <laughs> point to the listeners. Thank it's you. Like, this is like this is like when Daenerys is like, I choose you all. Yeah. It's like <laughs> and everyone's Misa, Misa. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. No, awesome. We we you are the chosen many, our listeners. We're so thankful. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I think we've I think we have improvised a fantasy story today and we're ready for that sweet, sweet outro music. I'm ready for that sweet, sweet outro music as well. So let's get it going. Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. This has been your co-hosts and author outliner people, uh, Charles and Dylan. Definitely not author. Not author. I qualified it with author of an outline. <laughs> so sure. if you like what you heard today, if you want to see, I'm going to go ahead and make a book cover for this lovely book. And Dylan's going to go yes, out there and are. post it on social media, at <laughs> Twitter, on the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. And, and on Facebook and Instagram as well at the FTF Podcast. If you ever want to write in, you can do so at the FTF Podcast at gmail.com. And Dylan, if they wanted to support the show even further and they happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what can they do? Toss five stars to our podcast. Just click that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app. Then scroll down past all of those episodes that you're seeing until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the best number of those to click if you want to support the show would be five of them. If you have a little bit of extra time and want to go the next step, you can even write a review and that's super helpful for our podcast and for people finding it and listening all that kind of stuff but just listening the chosen many listening it's more than enough thank you so much you guys are the chosen many thank you so much for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends